0: again, thank you so much for being here. The the course is going to end, the course, this particular series is going to end next week. Uh, That'll be 20 weeks of this teaching. For those of you who are looking for a greater understanding of what we're going to talk about today and next week, there's just no way of doing it other than telling you, get the 18 CDs or whatever it is and stuff. <clears throat> because what we're going to do today, as we did last week, we're going to build on what we have already learned. I believe the Lord has set a foundation among us <clears throat> as to his nature and character as a triune God, that in the one being of God, and this is the most important and most critical issue and truth there is about God god himself the most critical and most fundamental truth about god is this that in the one being of god here O israel the lord our god the lord is one remember deuteronomy 6 4 in the one being of god there is or there exists rather three eternal equal distinct divine persons each one of him Each one fully being God in himself but not by himself. And these three persons, these three divine persons enjoy a fellowship that is worked out or exercised or experienced through relational roles of respectful love. Okay? That's been the essence And so you remember, Christ has fulfilled all of that in himself perfectly. So that, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, and I'll maybe go through it more quickly then. So that in us, those who have been created in his image, which all men are, but now the church is specifically in a unique way. We might be the display of that for which Jesus came to die. Jesus died most specifically, most centrally for one reason that in us especially the Father but then by extension the Son and the Holy Spirit may be manifested may be experienced and the way the three persons of the Trinity relate to one another in this fellowship of relational roles of loving submission, respecting one another, may be experienced among us as a church and especially within the marriage we'll talk about today so that the world may know that this God of ours is God. Amen? Amen. This is the essence. This is why you were saved. This is why we were included into the economy, into the kingdom, the church of God. And this is the purpose of God in our lives under which and in which every other purpose of our own making, of our own opinion, of our own living in the world must be included into this and walk, walk rather complementary of this purpose of God. Otherwise, we are walking in a way that we are not imaging the truth about God, amen? This is what Christianity is all about. It's about God's triune nature and character. This is the essence of the glory of God. Father, thank you so much for your word. Minister to us this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this morning, we're going to bear down in one issue. Last week, we talked about the church in general. Didn't give a lot of specifics of how to do that. Just felt to throw it out and give us a general understanding. So when you begin to read the Word of God, you'll see the activities of the the image of God, of the persons of God within these uh, commands in the New Testament. Love one another, care for one another, whatever. And then we'll see how those dynamics and experience how those dynamics are being worked out or not being worked out in our own lives. And, and, And come to the Lord and ask for greater development and by His Spirit. Of the reality of who He is. This morning we're going to talk about marriage though. Now for those of you who are not married, please do not turn us off because some of you will be married. But whether you are married, even though you're not married, this is an essential understanding specifically for marriage and in general for the church. So this morning we're going to talk about how marriage in Christ, a Christian marriage, a marriage in Christ is to fulfill Genesis 126. I have a lot to say, so I'll try to go through this without too many times going off the side, which is going to be well, well, it may happen. As we know, God created Adam and Eve in his image. What verse is that? Genesis what? 1 what? 26. What does it say? This is the most important purpose statement in the Bible. It is the purpose statement of God for creating humanity, in fact, creating the cosmos itself. Because the cosmos, the universe, the world, the earth is the place where humanity will be the place. It is a place where humanity will walk out God's image. Therefore, we have a place for that. And so, what is that purpose statement? Let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's God's purpose statement. And so, it's the purpose fulfilling the earth with the glory of God through His people who are living out the image of God. You see, this was to be accomplished through their loving relational roles. This was to be accomplished and still is to be accomplished in us today through our loving relational roles. So, God's triune nature and character would be seen throughout the Lamb. So, as we relate to one another in the role that God has given to each one of us in a loving and respectful and obedient way, the persons of the Trinity are being manifested. And this is God's heartbeat, that they may know who I am, who I am. Ezekiel, that they may know that I am Yahweh over and over and over and over and over in Ezekiel, that they may know that I am the Lord, that I am Yahweh. This is God's great heartbeat. <clears throat> this means that all marriages in Christ, again, we're going to sp- specify marriages today, but again, I think you can generalize a- as we go through this. This means that all marriages in Christ, how many of us are married? How many in here are married? <clears throat> how many of us, therefore, does this pertain to? Everyone who's married. Okay. Okay. This means that all marriages in Christ are to be built upon the foundation of Genesis 126. If you want to know how your marriage is going, look at Genesis 126 and begin to discern. Are you and your wife living in a way that images the relational roles within the Trinity among the three persons? And for the single purpose of fulfilling the purpose of God, this is why marriage was created by God. I don't like the word invented he created. It doesn't say he invented marriage. He made Adam. He, this is a creational activity. So first of all, Adam needs his wife. Now get this man, and I'll say it again. We as men of God in Christ can image Christ and will be conformed into Christ only to a certain place. If we're saved, we need our wives in order that God will use them, and this is God's choice, to take us and create us into the image of Christ in the way that he desires us to be if we're saved. I'm sorry, married. It doesn't mean that married men are second class, God would do that in other ways. But in a marriage, once you're a married, man, you need your wife for this, and your wife needs you. And we'll look at that. So, let's start off the bat. You need her. In Genesis 1.26, remember, God's purpose is set forth. What is it? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then in verse 27, what do we read? So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Therefore, God did what he purposed to do then in chapter two now chapter two begins with verse four chapter two verse four that's really chapter two if you would then in chapter two we're given the details of the creation of adam and his wife verse twenty six of chapter one this is what i'm going to do verse twenty seven of chapter one this is what i did between these two verses comes chapter two it's just you know it's a literary uh... format here Verse 26 in chapter 1, I'm going to make man in my image. Verse 27 in chapter 1, I made man in my image. Chapter 2 goes right between the two. You got it? Some people try to figure out how does this work with this and that. No, it goes right in the middle. It goes right between the two. Look at verse 7 in chapter 2. If you have a Bible, look at verse 7. The Bible says this, Then the Lord formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Why did God create Adam? Why did God create Adam? Why? Anybody know why God created Adam? Now seriously, do you know why God created Adam? Genesis one twenty six. This fell off my ear. My microphone fell off. Is, is it still on? Is my microphone on? Now, why did God create Adam? Genesis 1 26 Sorry for the thing up here, okay Now look at verse 18 You remember in chapter 1 it is good. It is good. It is good five times and then in verse 31 It is very good then all of a sudden chapter 2 verse 18. Look at the first part of the verse It is not good that the man should be alone it is not good that the man should be alone. Look, I'd love to take a lot more time with this, but I have to go through it quickly because I don't want to. You know, it doesn't matter. It is not good that man be alone. Now he just said it was good, very good, when he was talking about the general idea. You know, the general uh, throwing out that I created man It's very good. I created him. Remember verse twenty-seven. But in verse eighteen, in chapter two, why do we have not good? Why is it not good for Adam to be lonely alone? By the way, it doesn't say lonely don't get lonely confused to be alone you can be in a big crowd and be what lonely in other words adam is the only humanity human person why is that not good where's the answer in verse 26 chapter 1 do, do we get the idea, or we beginning to get the idea that every question about our lives and our relationships and all of this, where is the answer? Genesis one twenty six. It's not good for Adam to be alone. Why? The answer is found in one twenty six. Look at the pronouns in one twenty six. Us, our. What is that telling you? That God is a plurality. That there are at least two. How many does it take to be us an hour? How many people in us an hour and we? At least what? Two. So there is a plurality in God. And if we're going to image a plurality, and God is going to create humanity to image a plurality, there must be more than one. There must be at least two. So therefore, it's not good for Adam to be alone because by himself, he cannot image a plural. Being, uh, I'm sorry, a, 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 a being who is plural in himself, three persons. Do, do we understand this? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so the issue is plurality, and Adam is a singular. He's single. Adam needs his wife in order to be a Genesis one twenty six man. Men, those of you who are married, those of you who will be married one day, you need your wife in order to be a genesis 126 man so look at verse 18b the next part of it i will make him a helper fit for him i'm going to make him a helper a helper the word helper is used of the lord's help in other passages in the old testament and in the new a helper has to do with the kind of help that God gives to his people by coming alongside of them and walking with them and walking with them and in them and encouraging and building up and correcting and, 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 and uh, giving them hope and all of that. All of that is the kind of ministry that God is going to give to the man through the woman. Psalm 54.4, my God is, God is my help. Remember what does Jesus say in John 14, 26, and again in chapter 15 on several occasions. I am going to send the Holy Spirit who is the helper, counselor, teacher. So the role of the husband is going to be complemented or completed or fulfilled or is the rest of the story by God giving him a woman, a wife, who will be to the husband as the Holy Spirit is to the church. Do you see it? The wife will be to the husband as the Holy Spirit is to the church. Now, wives, that doesn't mean that you are the Holy Spirit. I actually met met with a woman the other day, and I said, you're the Holy Spirit's Holy Spirit. I mean, you know. This doesn't mean that you are the Holy Spirit, but you are to be to the husband in the same kind of way that the Holy Spirit is to the church. And I say that now because it looks like if we're not careful, the wife got the bad end of the deal. Well, I don't think the Holy Spirit would tell you he got the bad end of the deal. I don't think that would happen. This means that Eve was given to Adam as his helper to come alongside of. Remember, God took out of the side of man to come alongside of her in verse 21 so that the will of God would be fulfilled in them as they together image the plurality of God so that in the marriage the plurality of the husband and wife that community of the marriage will effectively and accurately image the plurality and the community of God are we getting this? And everybody with me on this I know I'm moving quickly but so look at verse 24 and the two shall become one flesh even though they were two they were to function and live and walk and relate how as one they were to function and walk and relate as one through their individual roles why is it important for the Lord to say and the two became one flesh Because the Lord is saying, on earth, these two have been made in such a way and in such a complementary way. Complementary means completing one another. So that as they walk and live together this way, they are displaying upon the earth in their oneness and their unity, the oneness and the unity within God. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, may I say to you this. THERE MAY BE A LOT GOING ON ON THE DAY OF JUDGMENT WHEN YOU AND I STAND BEFORE THE LORD ONE DAY. Phage, Y'ALL COME ON UP HERE. THERE MAY BE A LOT GOING ON ON THE DAY OF JUDGMENT WHEN WE FACE GOD. LISTEN TO ME AGAIN. THERE MAY BE A LOT GOING ON ON THE DAY THAT BELIEVERS FACE THE LORD AT THE BEMA SEAT TO BE JUDGED OF THE DEEDS DONE IN THE BODY. BUT I BELIEVE ONE OF THE VERY BASIC AND PRIMARY ISSUES WILL BE THIS. How did you husbands lead and relate to your wives? How did you wives um, follow and relate to your husbands? I believe that's going to be much more important than so many of the trivial things that we believe are important. Because this is where God's glory, God's majesty, God's uh, image is portrayed. It's not in so many other things. It's here. So that as we do it here the right way. The rest of our lives will come into conformity to the image of Christ, hopefully. You see, and we will remember that the role of each person of God was in view through these particular roles that Adam is given, and Adam and Eve are to fulfill jointly as a team. The role of the Father as king, as leader, the role of the Son as the priest, and the role of the Spirit as the prophet. Remember, we've talked about this. And you remember, in the one marriage, there is a plurality of persons, as in the one being of God, there is a plurality of persons. So do you see that the marriage is that relationship where God's image is most clearly and compellingly manifested, as in no other relationship in the church, as in no other relationship in the church? Therefore, every marriage in Christ, may I repeat that word? I don't know if you heard that word. What word did I just say? Every marriage in Christ. How many are married? How many of you are married? Raise your hand if you're married. Come on. Every marriage, that means every one of our marriages in Christ, is to be the clearest and most compelling revelation of God's triune nature and character. As I and my wife, my wife and me, as you and your husband and wife, as you and your spouse, live and relate in a communal way with one another so that in the same way the persons of God, the way they relate and communicate and function as one another, may be demonstrated in my marriage and in your marriage so that as I relate and lead my wife, as she comes alongside of me as my helper, As we walk together in our roles in loving, respectful obedience to God and to one another, God is manifested as to who he really is. When there is a breakdown there, we are saying something that is anti-truth, is untrue about God. The major problem with sin in the marriage between the husband and wife is not that the woman was offended or the man didn't like this. The major problem is that we are lying about God. Now, if that isn't heavy for you, I don't know whether you're a believer. You see, friends, the issue is never me, my, I, <clears throat> whatever. It is never that. That's a secondary issue. The issue is always God, God, Amen. God. Well, you're getting this young man in the back. One day you all will be married. What's the issue, Ruth? God is the issue, brother. Butch, God is the issue. Claude, what? God is the issue. Mike, James, Donnie, whoever, what? God is the issue. Do we get that? Everybody had that? Okay. But when Adam rejected his role, Genesis 3 6, and he ate. When Adam rejected his role, when he says no to God, every time I do not respond and walk with and relate to and lead my wife in the way that Christ leads the church, I am facing God in the face and saying in his face, no, I will not. And every time my wife does not do her part, what? How many of you today would say, I am willing and ready and able to stand right in the face of God and tell him no? How many of you? And yet, we do it all the time, and it is time for us to be aware of what we're doing and understand the grace of God that has not been <laughs> us. Amen? When Adam rejected his role, Christ came. Remember? This is the reason Jesus came, to do what Adam did not do, so that we would be his image bearers in a new heaven and a new earth, forever and ever displaying his character and his nature throughout the cosmos. So when Adam rejected his role, Christ appeared to fulfill the roles. Remember, prophet, priest, and king so that in Christ if we're saved we're in Christ the roles of prophet, priest and king right now might be and are being fulfilled through the complementary roles of everyone in the church and especially accentuated and manifested in the marriage the complementary roles of the husband and the wife so let's talk about the husband's leadership the husband and Ray Pratt if you say this to Ray Pratt he's going to laugh I'm the king of the castle. I'm the king of the castle. The honeymooners. Now, that's funny. And it's hilarious on the honeymooners. I wish I I, I just, I can't take three hours in here. But here is what every husband is doing when he doesn't lead his wife the way Christ leads us. I'm the king of this castle. I'm the king. And when we say that, We are saying that God the Father is a tyrant. Now, listen to me, man. Every time my attitude, my thought, my action in relation to leading my wife, I'm the king of the castle. Oh, you may not say that. But your attitudes, your thoughts, your feelings, you are saying God the Father is a tyrant. How many of us men in Christ today would stand and say God is a tyrant? I don't think so. But you're declaring it more loudly through the way we lead our wives than if we set it on the corner of Canal Street and let everybody know. This morning we're going to look at how the husband is to fulfill his leadership role of king in the marriage as they, the husband and wife, live and relate together as one. We have learned that Christ has fulfilled the three role, full roles. Remember? Prophet, priest, and king. We've already learned that. So that in Christ, those roles are now being imaged in the marriage. Why? Because we are being conformed to the image of God's son, Romans eight 29. We're being conformed to the image of him who in himself has fulfilled perfectly these three roles. You see that? This means that the husband <clears throat> has the same position to his wife. The husband has the same position to his wife that Christ has to his bride. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 11.3 says. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. We're in Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So the headship of the man has to do with the revelation of the headship of God within the Trinity. Therefore, Adam has the responsibility to manifest the father's leadership role as he leads his wife in the same way the father leads and the wife's responsibility is to be his helper so that both together will fulfill God's purpose in their marriage. The husband is to lead in the same way, therefore, to manifest the father's leadership within the Trinity. And the wife is to manifest by her helper being the helper to manifest the same way that Christ relates to the Father in the Trinity. This is the heart of God. So let's look at the husband's function a little bit about leader. Let's look at some of the ways. Now, we're going to remember that God's purpose through Adam and Eve was to establish, you know, remember, his presence and his kingdom upon the earth. So to do this, the husband has been grace-gifted. Now, wives, you may not believe this. You may not even think it. You may not even like it, but listen to what I'm saying. Because that man is your husband, may I say it again? Because that man is your husband. Did I put any previso or any stipulation on that? Because he is your husband, simply because he is your husband, God has grace gifted and anointed him to administer for you, protection, physical and spiritual, and provision, spiritual and physical, through his leadership. Because your husband, that man is your husband, God has set him as the head and the leader in the marriage. Why? Because the headship of the husband speaks about the headship of God the Father in the Trinity. Now, for some, any women, a woman in here who does not like that, what you are saying is you do not like the idea that God the Father's leadership is being manifested through a man and he should have done it some other way. To be not liking it and be critical of it is to be saying, God, I don't like what you did. And you should have consulted me first. You see, that is the world's thing out there with the what liberation women movement and all it is satan's activity that is already in the church infecting and infiltrating the very image of the god himself in the church you know we are criticized as a church you didn't know that and here's one of the grounds that we are criticized upon we have male leadership <laughs> women should be also in the leadership they should be elders and they should be pastors not if we are going to manifest God's image. Do you understand that? Leadership has to do with male leadership. Why? God did it. I didn't have anything. I wasn't there. But it has to do with the leadership of God the Father within the Trinity. Where am I in my notes? Here I am. Because Jesus declared, look, look. Why hit you? Because Jesus declared the Father's authority within the Trinity, how did He do it? How did Jesus declare the Father's leadership in the Trinity? He functioned with authority on the Earth. Therefore, in order for you to know that I, the Son of Man has authority over sin, what? Rise up and walk. Remember? in the three Gospels. He is to do this, as, and the husband is to lead this way with the same character of love that the son exercises in his leadership of his bride. Brothers, this is the way we are to lead. Thus imaging the father's leadership. Thus imaging the way the father leads. Listen to this word in Ephesians. Husbands, what? Love your wives. Why? Why that? Why love? Because the father's love for the son and for the Holy Spirit men love your wives in the same way you see that christ loved the church but also that father loves the son and the spirit if we're not we're calling god a tyrant love your wives also as christ loved the church this is the way We are manifesting that. As Christ loved the church, he was showing us how the Father loves within the Trinity. And he gave himself up for her that he might sanctify. How how long do I do it? How long? Giving yourself up for her. How how, How far did Jesus go? To the cross. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Verse 33, let every one of you husbands love his wives. You see, the husband is to lead his wife and family with God's kind of love. To do otherwise is to call God a tyrant. I don't know how you feel about this, guys, but this is sobering for me. Is sobering for me. This is sobering. We're going to leave here today, and all of us are going to be challenged by the enemy and by our flesh to exercise this. And for all of us to wanting some extent and some in a lot of extent, for all of us to some extent and some to a lot of extent. Let me just say it this way, brothers. We need to be repenting before God and confessing, Father, I have been calling you a tyrant. And I no longer desire to do that. I ask you to change my mind and my heart by the Spirit so that I might begin to live more effectively in a way that you, your nature, your character is displayed clearly and compellingly in my leadership of my wife. If we husbands want to know what kind of love Christ's love is, just read Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. Is that how you are with your wife? Is that how I am with my wife? Let me say this about my wife. And and, and I, I don't want to be disparaging anything this is not a joke I'm not funny I'm not joking about this sometimes my wife can be the most obnoxious person in my life you see you thought I meant because of the way she is because of my sin because of my weakness she's obnoxious you see you thought it was the other side how many of you thought I was pointing a gene that's why I said be careful You see, Jean has her issues. But when I feel she's obnoxious and I'm impatient and I'm angry and all of that, brother, that's my issue. That's my issue. I am saying in those feelings, if I don't deal with them, this is how God is with the son, with the son. And this is how Jesus is to the church. And that's a monumental, hell-devised lie. You notice I didn't ask the husband to raise their hands in agreement with that. I was at least a little more careful in that. (laughs) Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. On its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoice in the truth. Love bears all things. What? Bears what? All things. How much? All things. All things, brothers, we are to bear with our wives. All things because Christ bears all things with us. Don't you see? How many of you have been so good that Christ has loved you because you're so good? In the face of our nastiness he still loves us in the face of our disobedience and rebellion he still loves us love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things verse 8 love never ends now that we've dealt with the husband let's talk about the wife in a little bit in 218 of Genesis we said the wife is a helper why does the wife's role as a helper. What does it look like? Listen, wives, to what your role looks like. Ephesians 25, 22, 24, 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I told one of the marital people that we were talking to, you know, how we counsel young couples for the marriage. I said to the lady, I said, if you want to be a great evangelist in in your office to all the women, don't carry your Bible in there. Just go in there and and say, oh, yesterday I learned that wives will submit to their husbands. Boom! The whole thing goes up in flames and everybody wants to know what's wrong with her, the Bible, and everything else. You see, it's easy. It's easy to be evangelistic if we live godly. Can somebody say amen to that? it's easy to be evangelistic if we live godly somebody and everybody's going to come in here and either criticize you trying to figure out what in the world's wrong with you or right with you or something we need to figure you out you weird you just not like everybody else why submit to your own husbands as unto the lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church his body and is himself the savior now as the church submits to christ as the church submits to christ the husband, wife also submit, submit in everything to their husbands. 33, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. As the husband's helper, the wife is to come alongside of him. Listen, with respectful, with respectful. How many of you wives speak to your husbands in a way that you would not speak to your boss? We're saying God is a tyrant. The husband is to be respected above every man in the world. Alongside of him, with respectful, cooperative love, walking with him as she shares, not demands, her God given insights and perspectives for the welfare of the marriage. Just as the Holy Spirit is our helper who comes alongside of us offering his help, making himself available, right? So also the uh, the wife is to be the husband's helper. As she walks with the husband with respectful love, full of respect, loving, she is giving her husband what he needs to fulfill his role by leading her to become the radiant bride of Christ. Why does a husband need respect? Why does a husband need respect? The husband's greatest need in the marriage is what? Respect, not physical intimacy. You'll find that out six weeks after you're married. The husband's greatest need in the marriage is what? What is it? Chase, what is it? Respect. Why? Why? Because the father is to be respected as the head of the Trinity. Because the father. Is to be respected. And not to respect is to deprive God the Father of that which is his due because of who he is and of his role. Jesus declared the fathers. How did he do it? Loving leadership. How did he do it? How did Jesus come to manifest the father's loving leadership? By his respectful, loving obedience upon the earth. Father, I have come to do your will. That's how he did it. In this atmosphere of loving leadership and respectful submission, the Father's leadership role is being imaged, thus displaying to the world the awesome greatness of our God and His grace in saving us to be His image bearers. I hope today, and next week we're talking about prophet and priest. I hope today you get a glimpse. This is just a glimpse. I'm out of breath I've gone so fast. Really. This is a glimpse. Listen to me one more time. We have a moment or two left. Every one of us, first of all, has been saved for one reason. That we should be individually saved and put into a corporate body. What is the good of a piece of a puzzle over there on the floor that's not in the puzzle? What is the good of that piece of the puzzle? What is this good? You're a piece of the puzzle when you're over there on the floor by yourself and you're not in the puzzle. You don't have any purpose. Your purpose is to be with the other puzzle pieces. Your purpose is to be connected with the others. Your purpose is to show forth as all these pieces are collected together the face of the puzzle maker, Jesus Christ. your purpose and to the extent that we are not fulfilling these roles the way God has assigned to us it's like trying to put the puzzle piece into that puzzle in a way that is backward I'm gonna force this thing in the way I think it needs to go in because I don't agree with the puzzle makers way of doing this and I don't like the way this puzzle piece fits in there so I am gonna hammer this thing and we're gonna make it happen baby and what kind of a picture will you have of Christ What kind of a picture will you have of Christ? So when you go home, for the married couples especially, and for the others, and you begin to feel the stress and strains, how many of you have stress and strains in your marriage? Come on, anybody, seriously, any of us have stress and strains in our marriage? Come on, you can raise your hand. I have stress and strain in my marriage. Absolutely. If you don't, you're not either alive or you're not married. One One or the other. One or the other. One or the other. And in the midst of the stresses and strains, you see, the flesh doesn't want this. Satan certainly doesn't want it. So it's working against this. But we must recognize that we must overcome this in the power of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of manifesting clearly and consistently and powerfully and effectively who this great God is. And so we begin with the husband's leadership and the wife's submission. And then next week we'll talk about how the husband and the wife... Especially the husband's leadership as priest and prophet is fulfilled to be fulfilled in the, the marriage, so that the marriage in the church can be the clearest and most compelling manifestation of the nature and character of God. So be careful. The enemy and the world and your flesh, seriously, are ready to attack you the moment you leave this house or maybe even this room. Be ready, be vigilant and defeat the enemy in the flesh and the power of the Spirit. See you next week. You sat up front. You in trouble now. You're right. you in trouble now.